Hello, my name is Philip Pamela, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. Now one of the things that we're learning, I think, in our modern day is that the time to unify thinking, to unify our worldview is quickly coming upon us. And that can only be done, in my opinion, by open-mindedness and by moving to a position of oneness, of by finding common ground for what we now know as science and religion or science and spirituality. And as we start doing this, as we start opening our minds to a new worldview that is a mind-first worldview, a more open worldview, we start also opening the door to other spiritual practices throughout history that have put mind at the center of reality. So I was intrigued when I recently received an email from today's guest, Max Parati, about his new book entitled The Seven Laws of Reality and Being. And I read this book, and it's a real eye-opener. It's about uh, the great hermetic tradition, also known as the Hermetic Principles of Reality and Being, and what Max does, as we're going to learn on this show, is not only discuss what this tradition, what these seven laws of reality and being are all about, but also drawing connections, like we have to, to other great spiritual traditions and also to modern science. Now, Max is a complementary and alternative medicine practitioner living and working in London. He's a member of the British Register of Complementary Practitioners. And since 1996, he's been studying and practicing Eastern and Western philosophy and metaphysics. He's got a number of books. As I said, his newest book is called The Seven Laws of Reality and Being, a manual explaining how to make use of the seven principles which govern reality to achieve new life conditions and fulfillment. Max, welcome to the show. Hello. Okay. Nice meeting you. Okay. Well, it's very it's it's very good having you here, and uh, you are you know you are coming in here from from the UK, and once again we get thank uh, Skype for this. But let's yes. let's let's uh, start things off here for those who may not be familiar with their hermetic principles. What what is this? What where did it come from and what's it related to? Why don't you talk a little bit about about uh, this area of thinking first? Yes. Well basically hermetic comes it's a word that comes from a, um, a great sage um, called Hermes, Hermes Trimagistus, which basically um, we we don't know exactly the dates and uh, you know of his life, but basically um, he laid down um, most of uh, the, we the the the, the, the principles that then made up Western spirituality as we know it. So Hermetic comes from the the name Hermes, and uh, when I did some research, at the end I found out that uh, Hermes is basically it's a general name because we don't know if there actually existed such such a person but what it refers to it's it refers to a god of wisdom so basically you know in in, in greece ancient greece and uh egypt you know they had their gods of wisdoms and we find this also in buddhism there are different gods and uh each one relates to a specific um activity or quality so basically, uh, all through the history, then this, this, um, uh, these principles, this, this, uh, this knowledge has been passed down. And, um, 
And basically, at the turn of our uh, 19th century, there was a great metaphysician which wrote a book. And uh, this book basically um, uh, revealed some of these um, ancient, uh, uh, ancient um, uh, uh, notions, and, and, and he calls them laws. And um, so that's why I, I got really interested by reading this book first, and then I did my research. And uh, I did some research on, on, on this Hermes. Um, and, uh, and then I, I basically ended up uh, saying in my book that um, Hermes is, uh, is wisdom. It's, ba you know, it, it's basically wisdom that, that comes through you know, in different forms and different uh, cultures. Um, like I said, you know, the, the, we, have, we have Toth, the, 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 the Greek gods of wisdom. We have Manjushri in the Buddhist tradition, Indian tradition. So, um, so that's why um, I call it hermetic. So the, it, it, that, then it became an hermetic tradition, you know, the tradition of hermetism. So, um, so, so it's sort of like uh, perhaps a generic name for a set of principles that have formed the basis that's for, correct, for yes. both Eastern and Western uh, spiritual traditions. I mean, that, that's, yes. that's, which, is, which is extremely interesting because, you know, um, as I said in the top of the show, uh, it's it's always uh, I think fruitful to look for unity uh, because if we don't look for unity, particularly in the spiritual traditions, we wind up having people uh, you know dueling over over who who has the the right God in their camp, uh, and so there ha it, it's always more promising to have that uh, one fountain of, of wisdom. Okay, so let's. Let's talk a little bit about the basic principles here, and you do a really good job in your in your book of, of going through this. But but there are certain core principles; they're called laws, I guess, of of uh, hermeticism. And let's let's talk about it for you know for people that haven't had a chance to read up on this, because I think it's going to be important to to start drawing parallels um, to our modern thinking, our modern world. Uh, with uh, hermeticism. So let's talk yeah. about, for example, the first principle or second principle that, uh, about, um, about the law of the mind, as you put it. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the first thing, and it's, I think in the introduction of my book, I basically state that there are seven laws, and one, if one reads through them, the first law, the first principle, we'll call it principle, I think it's better to call it principle, um, because law for us uh, it means it, it, it's something else. It's 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 it, it, it's got a different meaning nowadays. But you know, a principle. Uh, the first principle it's uh, the principle of mind. Well, basically that is you know like in in different religions. In, in actually in all religions, philosophy you always have an absolute and a relative. You know, there, there is the absolute, and then and then is is the world of relative. You know, what what we see. Right. Well. If, if one wants to keep that uh, structure, then the first is the absolute principle, and then the other six are basically um, the, the uh, principle through which, or in in the way the first the first principle unfolds. So, for example, the first principle says that all is mind. So all is mental. All, all is is mentative in 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 origin, and the way it is mind. Uh, not a mind that that we're used to like think of whereas mind is the brain is the thinking uh, well it's not that uh, the first principle said that all is mind so if you if you take that to an extreme basically you know uh, our computer is mind um of course you know science would say it is atoms and electrons that's that's fine but um if you then even modern science, you know, at, at the end with quantum physics, we, we, we don't even know what matter is. So they, they have come now to, to the conclusion that matter is energy. But, you know, to me, energy is uh, it's, it's a little bit, uh, we don't know what energy is, really. You know, we, we know electricity, we, we know things like that, but, but what is energy? Well, the first principle that says that this energy is mentative. It's difficult to explain. It's difficult because whenever we say mind, we, some, you know, straight away we have the idea of, of, of thinking. 
but it's not that. It's, it's, it's an awareness. It's, it's a kind of presence or, or, or it's, a, it's, a, it's something that is all penetrating and it's the base of all there is. And, and, uh, and so, and then through this, this basically manifests and the way it does, it does through six principles, six laws. Okay, and, okay. Um, so, okay. Yeah. so I, I, I want to add something here that I think is very important because in my book, The Collapse of Materialism, which is sort of an updated version of a lot of this stuff, the, the stance that I take is instead of viewing ultimate reality as matter, view ultimate reality as mind. And it's sort of a, in some ways, it's, it's, it's radical because we're so used to viewing the world as being matter first and specifically we're so used to viewing ourselves as being a product of matter a product of the big bang uh, exactly. right now, yes right now i'm reading i'm reading or i should say listening to the blank slate by steven pinker the harvard psychologist who's written a bunch of great books um very long books i might add but but he he clearly says that consciousness uh, came out of matter. That this is this is the modern scientific mindset. That what we know as this ephemeral spiritual thing called mind sort of is an emergent property of matter. Now it's not. I, it is the dominant way of looking at things. But then we, but then we need to go back. And if you read Descartes' meditations, and I'm, and I'm not. The nice thing about Descartes' meditations is that it's very short. <laughs> it's a thin little manual, and he basically he has these meditations. And you know, Descartes one of the, the basically considered to be the founder of Western philosophy, which is another way to say the founder of Western thought. Uh, but what he does in his meditations is that he says, what am I? And when he's done going through this, this analysis, he says, I am funnily mind. That's what he says. He says mind, that mind does come before matter. And when you really think about it, that has to be the case. So I, so I just want to lay that out there a little bit, Mac, because, yeah. because, you know, this is not, even though the seven principles uh, that we're going to be talking about here seem like, wow, this is really strange. The, the fact of the matter is is that this is coming from a great philosophical and spiritual tradition and it's one I think that we're rediscovering okay so so I sort of I sort of interrupted you a little bit but I wanted to lay that out there that we really have this contrast out there uh, and if we see in one more thing while I'm while I'm going on here I'm a little I'm a little uh, yeah. discourse but what happens when you view the world as only matter we have to remember this is that we start viewing ultimate reality as a thing and there is no better example than the god particle that the the large hadron collider looking for the higgs boson and so we're we have two separate directions here we have the direction to looking for god in a particle and we have the direction for looking god inside so anyways you you were talking about how this first principle that all is mine is sort of the fundamental one, and that it leads to the other principles. So so why don't you elaborate upon that? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, yes. Well, one thing, Philip, I wanted just to, just to add. Uh, it's very interesting what you're saying. Um, and uh, basically, if, if if you the way that um, you describe, you know, in Western Western science, Western psychology, or well, at least Western science, uh, this view that mind comes from matter, um, I mean, I, c I can see why uh, that has come about, because basically in the West, uh, we had a, a great tradition, a spiritual tradition, but what we have done, we kind of left that behind. And um, basically, uh, what we can see with our eyes, we, we, we can hear with our ears, that's, that's what really what... what the, the the Western mind is interested in. That's why we build airplanes. We we build rockets to go to you know to the right. sky. If you look at the East, the Eastern tradition. Well, now now the Eastern tradition is becoming like the Western tradition, which is you know a little bit strange. But they they 
they never dreamt about these things. They just looked inwards. Um, and we basically always look outward. But that, that, that's, that's what I've sort of, um, observed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's yeah. maybe why that yeah. is this, yeah. this view that the mind comes from matter and not the other way around. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly right, and I think that it's a great it's a great shift. It's a great shift because, and we're sort of um, veering in a direction here that's that I think is really interesting. But the shift is happening right now, and that is uh, that science is based upon realism or naive realism, which is assuming that the world exists as it appears. And so right. science is based upon empiricism, you know, sense, sense data. You're exactly right. I would agree with you that, you know, it's what we could see, taste, hear, and touch um, that is real. But then, yeah. but then what happens, and, and this, this truth has not penetrated the modern psyche or the scientific curriculum yet, but what science has found, as we know through the quantum theory, is that that, that stuff is not really out there. That's, <laughs> that's right. And exactly. so it's like, oh, on second thought, maybe <laughs> what we thought was really these this hard material world is really a feel is really a field of energy, is really mind stuff. And so that that's what is it's really interesting and it's sort of like, okay, well um, when are you actually going to put two and two together here that, that the old spiritual tradition was correct in the first place? That mind is first and that the field you're looking at is a mind field. It's not some kind of quantum field that mysteriously um, formed or emerged from a black hole in Never Neverland. But, but anyways, um, so, so this, is, this is a really interesting topic and and I and I going back to the theme that I have for this particular show which is that as we know more about the world and science and look at ourselves we start rediscovering old truths which is actually a beautiful thing that's, so, that's right so so anyways once again uh, okay this is Philip Camello this is conversations beyond science and religion I'm very happy to be speaking with Max Karate from the UK, where we're talking about his new book, The Seven Laws of Reality and Being, which is, a, which is one of these mind-opening discussions about what we can learn from the, the seven um, hermetic principles, which sound a lot like other principles that have been bantied about in the New Age bookstores, um, but are actually very old. So, so Max... Uh, we were talking about how um, in um, Hermeticism that mind is central and that with this, with this thought, with this principle, other things follow. So why don't That's you elaborate right. upon that a little bit? Well, okay, so basically we have the, the principle of mind says that all is mind, but how, so basically how does this mind manifest? Because, you know, if, that's the other thing. When one looks for mind, uh, what can one find? There is, there is, it's difficult to, to, to pinpoint mind, you know. And 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 uh, in my book, I lay down some uh, exercises that one can do, you know, to, in in terms of like searching, you know, one searches because one finds thoughts, emotions, <clears throat> but then behind these, there is a principle which is immutable. And um, one can can really find this, you know, through meditation, through uh, introspection. So basically, mind is is this principle which is kind of unchanging, but it manifests. And how does it manifest? It manifests in cert certain ways, and the way it manifests does not change either. So the six principles which follow are basically laws or principles of the way mind manifests. And the second principle is, for example, is the law of cause and effect. And of course, you know, now everyone in the West knows the word karma. Karma is, 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 is this Eastern word, uh, word, which means action. But what actually means, it means cause and effect. And um, even in the West, everyone, everyone knows what cause and effect is. So th that's the way, that's the first way it manifests. And then there is the principle of sound of vibration. 
that's basically the, the third principle, the one called the principle of vibration or sound. It's the principle of what we call subtle energy. So energy is vibration. Um, and, uh, and then we have the principle of correspondence, which basically states that as above, so below. So correspondence says that whatever you find uh, outside, you can find a correspondent inside. So everything is correspondent. Everything has a correspondence. Um, and then, and then we have the, the principle of polarity or opposites, which, which states that everything manifests within opposites. So whenever you have cold, you, you have hot. Whenever you have, um, happiness, you have sadness, everything manifests within a polarity. And this polarity, uh, um, basically, um, follows a kind of rhythm or cyclicity. So basically you have things that, that follow a rhythm. Things come, things go. And you can observe this also. Like, you know, everything has a rhythm. Everything, everything has a, as a movement onwards and backwards. And then as the seventh principle, you have the principle of gender. The principle of gender is very interesting because it's not just gender in a sexual, sexual term. But actually, you know, through the research, we found out that, that basically gender, um, can be applied also to our consciousness. Consciousness can have a feminine and a masculine side. And in the book, I describe this in, 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 in details. And then also, there are also some methods that one can use to work with these principles. Um, it, it's, um, it's, it's very interesting to, um, to, to see how can, you know, once one knows about these principles, one can work with them. You know, it's not just knowledge that, that, that you study or you read and that's it. You, you can actually apply. It can actually serve you. It can actually, um, make you, um, live your life in a, in a, you know, in a, in a different way. You, you can change your life. You can, you, you can apply these principles. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's... that, I think this is, this is where things get really interesting. And first of all, let me, let me say here that that typically the way we are taught about these old spiritual traditions. Let me use Buddhism as an example. That we are we are taught like the like the eightfold path. You know, right conduct, yeah. right thinking, right occupation, this kind of thing. And we're and we're taught these things as if we're supposed to memorize them, and that's what Buddhism is really about. Well. One thing that science uh, strives for, and this is where they're having such difficulty right now with the materialistic worldview, is that they want the laws of nature to arise naturally out of some fundamental principles. And, the, and for those who, who read some of these books, um, example being, say, The Trouble with Physics by Lee Smolin, and there's a lot of them, um, where... There's much of modern science where they insert values by hand. They don't know, for example, why it is that the forces of nature have the strengths they do, or the part or the fundamental particles have the masses they do. They don't know, so they insert them by hand. The best theory would be one where the values arise naturally, where it's a natural outcome. So switching gears here, this is what I view next, what, what you're doing here and what we're doing. If you hold mind as fundamental, these other principles arise naturally. That's they, right. They arise naturally. And that's, I mean, the cause and effect is a good one. Uh, you know, you, you also called it, it's the same thing as karma, where, yeah. where you could say, well, listen, let's see now. If, if the world is only mine and we are one, and suppose we are, we're, you know, you're, you're a hundred people and you're balanced on some flotation device in the middle of the ocean. You could move, as you move, you're going to also be moving the flotation device or the boat, whatever you want to call That's it. That's right. And yes. so, and so it, it, it's a natural thing. It's just a lot more sophisticated and complicated when you move to life and karma. It, but to me, it's always been the same basic thing. It's like that. What's that metaphor with the butterfly flaps his wings and something? That's right. Yeah. You know, you know that kind of thing. I, whoever said it, but it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, thought. But the yeah. point is, is that this is not as if 
uh, Max, you know, you sat down, you say, okay, well, um, the seven principles are X, Y, and Z, you know, memorize them and go and come back and, you know, and repeat after me. Um, it's, it's, it's a natural derivation, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. what's, that's what's beautiful about it. Um, for, you, you, you mentioned in your book, I'd like you to, uh, speak to this, that a lot of people have heard about the law of attraction. Oh yeah, because it, because the obviously the secret and there's a lot of books on, you know, thinking it shall become and this kind of thing. Yeah. Can can you talk a little bit about parallels to, um, yeah, to uh, yes, Hermeticism and and where and where you think that all comes from? Yes, uh, this is my favorite subject actually because <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I yes because I I I do yes I I I meet a lot of people that uh, of course you know the secret. Uh, uh, it's very, you know, it's very successful movie, very successful books, and everyone started to apply these methods, etc. And then people speak about these, etc. But um, actually, um, the, 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 all, the, all, all the principles that that the new age thinkers or or or, or um, the metaphysicians that uh, you will that you see that that you read in the secrets, basically, they got their ideas. They got their ideas from a movement uh, that started at the end of the eight, uh, 19th century. Uh, it was a movement. It was called New Thought. Okay, so it's so, so basically, it, it was a movement that was started by uh, two or three individuals, and one of these individuals was uh, someone called William Walker Atkinson. He wrote. He wrote like maybe 35 or 40 books. Uh, at the time, uh, were more like art, very long articles. And in one of the, one of his books, uh, dated 1906, he actually, uh, came with the, with the, with the, this terminology called the law of attraction. He actually, he was the first person to call it the law of attraction. That before him, no one called it like that. So he called it like that in a, in a, in a, in a booklet. Uh, it was called uh, something like I can't remember exactly, but it was like uh, the, the the thought and the law of attraction, something like that. But in any case, in the books, he basically explains that the law of attraction is a kind of effect which comes from the law of cause and effect and the law of vibration. So through cause and effect and through vibration, different vibrations, things attract each other. People attract each other. Everything, you know. Thoughts attract other thoughts. Emotions attract other emotions. But like attracts like. No, that we know that the law of attraction says like attracts like, and we can see that. Actually, anybody can see that. I mean, that's it's almost obvious that you know you see people they attract the kind of people around them. You see, if 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 if, if you observe your mind, I mean. It, if you start having thoughts of a certain kind, you will have more thoughts and more emotions of a certain kind. It just, they just attract each other. It, it seems like they attract each other. But in fact, in fact, it's not a kind of attraction. What happens is that causes, causes are planted, which bears effects. So each thought, each emotion becomes a cause. And the effect is another emotion of the same kind. <clears throat> And the same is, is, is with everything, you know, it's, it's through the cause and effect and the, and the, and the principle of vibration, because each thought, each emotion creates a kind of vibration as a vibratory. It, 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 we call it, we call it sound in the West, you know, it's that we call it sound, but it's actually, it, it's, it's not the sound that you can hear with your ears. It's a, it's a kind of energetic sound or an inner sound. Uh, it's a vibration, basically. And, uh, so the law of attraction basically says that you can think things into reality, you know, so they take that to the extreme, they think that basically you think certain things and they come reality. Well, that is true, that that it does happen, but how does it happen? Well, in my book, I explain uh, exactly how does that happen, because like the people that, that speak about the law of attraction, to be honest, they don't really know why why things this happen. And uh, they, it does happen through certain principles. The principle of cause and effect, the principle of vibration, the principle of correspondence. The principle of correspondence says that as above, so below. So above for us is is, is something. It's, it's like mind. Below is is uh, is, is physicality. 
is what we see, you know, it is the word of the senses that's so as above, so below. If 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 you think about something, you create causes. You create causes which manifest effects. Uh, you create vibrations. These vibrations uh, basically create more vibrations. So that that's that's how it all works. Um, but even even someone that does not know anything at all about this or about the law of attraction or or about anything, it doesn't matter whether you know this or not because reality is reality. Is reality unfolds as it is. You you know if if you if you think and and act in a certain way, you whether you know it or not, it doesn't matter. You you're gonna have effects, causes create effects, vibrations create more vibrations, and and therefore there is to me there is no surprise, you know, when when somebody's life unfolds in a certain way. Um, so basically, that in a nutshell is is the the law of attraction and the, and the seven laws. There is a parallelism, but in the book I explain in minus details. Now is we have we don't have time to go into such yeah. details. Yeah, no, I think it's a really a a fascinating topic because what you do is you you bring it together a little bit, and I think that you know I have an article that's called um, something like uh, the New Age, a movement. In search of a metaphysics, I mean, the, the the problem is is that unless we tie down things like the law of attraction or even parapsychology, life after death, and all these things, unless we tie them into a metaphysics, they appear to be just outliers in a scientific worldview, and that that is that is one of my things uh, that I think we need to improve upon. Uh, this is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Max Parati from the UK about his new book, The Seven Laws of Reality and Being. And we're drawing parallels here between the law of attraction and the great um, hermetic principles of reality. And one of the things I want to add here, Max, that I think is important is that our terminology necessarily changes when we start talking about a a mind first standpoint. You, you know, you use the word vibration, and I was against that term for for a while because it just sounded a little too touchy feely for me. But, yeah. But but I, but I, it still does. But still, when you think about well, how do you describe how thought could affect reality? Well, you got to put it. You have to use some word. And there is some way that thought has to affect reality. We know that for a scientific fact in such things as the placebo effect, as, I, as uh, Joe Dispenza and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we also know through, um, thing, through paranormal research that thoughts, thoughts can affect reality. So there has to be some way, some movement, some correspondence but if you take yourself out of the Western mindset where we separate ourselves from the physical world and you, and you look at the world as mind, as, you, as the first principle says, right? The first principle, it, it's the same thing. And this is, this is what I have. I, I make the same mistake myself, even though I'm the one pontificating upon this, that it's the same thing. The world is the mind. And that's what we forget about. So the, the other point I want to add here is that one of the problems with the law of attraction is that we, we're not on our own separate journeys here. We're not living our own little our own separate dreams. We're, we're together. And so if you think you're going to sit back and dream up a winning lottery ticket and have it be attracted to you, it's not going to happen. You, 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 have to, you have to build up the the mass of thought and desire and want, and, and I have not figured out how that happens, although the more I read about this, the more it's coming to uh, the front and center that these principles, such as law of attraction, cause and effect, parapsychology is another one, have, have much more impact if they're done on a more, in a, in a, in a uh, acceptable setting, or a, a setting where it's more accepted, and where you have more people 
following the same course. In other words, where you're combining the vibrations. In other words. So, so I, so this is really cool, um, and I think that there is, uh, there's a really a lot here that we that that we can and and uh, and will delve into. Now, one of the things I want to ask you about is that in your book you say something um, that's similar to what we're talking about. You say that. The concrete is the physical manifestation of space and time in visible form. The concrete. Yes. What What do you mean by that? Well, basically, if you see, if if you take the first axiom, the first principle that that everything is mind, this mind has to manifest in some somehow. So the way the way it manifests, it manifests by creating space and time but basically space and time are a kind of uh, in buddhism they say space and time is an illusion but not like an illusion like it doesn't exist an illusion because it does exist as an illusion so that, that's that's where everyone get, gets a little bit lost right. basically yeah basically people think that if everything is an illusion then nothing exists well it's not like that it's not like that Everything is illusory, but if you understand it like that, if you experience it like that, then yes, of course, you can you can stay within the principle of mind. The principle of mind is beyond time and space. Why? Because it's it's a kind of potentiality. So in my book, there is an exercise that uh, was um, basically I took that from William Walker Atkinson. He presents this in 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 one of his books. Very very old. You know, uh, old books, and uh, it's not even published. But um, basically, it says to make a kind of research. It's something that the Buddhists do as well. It's not something that that I don't know where he got it from, but maybe within the the Western um, tradition, there are this kind of exercise. They were these kind of exercises. In any case, it says that if you do this exercise, you will find the core, the mind, the the. the what is timeless this this timeless sort of presence which is that's the basis that's that's what we are that that is what everything is that is mind it's it's timeless and it's not identified you cannot say it's like this you cannot say it has a name he hasn't got a name of course some people say oh that's god yeah fair enough but it, it, it's not a being it is ourselves yeah. and it it unfolds through Time and space within our our five senses, so that we can live, you know, within you know, in our lives. But uh, so basically, the two things coexist: the timeless and the time and space do coexist. One one is the sort of uh, gives space to the other. So that's uh, it's very difficult to explain. Yeah, but well, um, I, I think that I think that one of the things that we realize here, two things. First of all. When you when you go into the source books of spiritualism, which I will, which I think would be the Upanishads, the there's this, and the same thing in the Bible, where when someone's asked, well, what is God or what is Brahman, what is mind, you really can't express it. It's the inexpressible, and you put that in your book too. That, that exactly. you kind of put words on things. But because that's the only way we can communicate. But there's certain things that just have to be felt and experienced uh, to know that there's that there's that there's truth to them. And so I think that 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 is something that is very important. There's nothing wrong with it. It's science does a much better job at it because they're better at avoiding those big questions. I mean, for example, if they're asked, and I'm. And, um, what happened before the Big Bang? The answer is that uh, we don't know because there was no time, and science can't say anything about the timeless world, or we don't know, or the or the equations break down at the singularity. That's a quote from um, Stephen Hawking. So they're basically saying the same thing. Is my point? They're just they're just putting it in different words that nobody could really describe that ultimate causation. Um, on the, I, I want to emphasize something you said that's very, that I think is one of the critical um, pr 
problems we have right now with this with this uh, line of thinking. You said what you said about illusion is that because I was interviewed um, myself a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about the same thing, and the interviewer thought that I was went off the deep end because I I said that the world is an illusion, and he said what and he said well well um. How can you say that? It's real. I said, no, what you're calling real is the illusion. And, and, and I said, the, the difference is that we're part of the illusion. This is the key thing here and that we have to get over. There is no difference between being an illusory creature or a spiritual creature in a spiritual world and being a robot in a robotic world. It's the same thing. Um, and, and this is, you know, I always go back to a quote from Siddhartha, the book uh, by Herman Hesse, where he says the same thing. He says, he's, you know, he's questioning, he said, you know, his friend says, well, if the world's an illusion, doesn't that really concern you? And he says, Siddhartha says, if the world's an illusion, then I also am illusion, so they are always of the same nature as myself. So, so that's, so that's, you know, Max, I think this is the critical thing, and I, I really think that this is just a, it's just, it just takes a while to to get out of it to understand it. Um, yeah. So so I before we break, I'd like to have you talk a little bit about the application of these principles because this is something else that is very good that you do, and I know that you are in the healing realm as well. So maybe you could talk about how somebody could use some of these principles and the healing side. Yes, yes, that is true. Um, I also wrote my other books are mostly about healing, and uh, in, in in my two other books where I speak more about homeopathy, cures without side effects. That that's another book that I've I've written. It's called Cures Without Side Effects. In that book, I start. I always start to speak about mind. Always because. It, if 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 you skip that, it's like you you skip the route. You right. know, you, you try to cure yourself with something, but you have to go to the root. The root of illnesses is also mind. I mean, you know, people think, oh, I got this, I got that. Yes, of course. Like at, on the physical level, you can have different illnesses, but the root, you know, if one was able to to find, which is, you know, it's very, it's, it's almost impossible because there are so many causes, so many conditions that, that we are not aware of. So it's impossible to say what caused what. Of course, it's, it's not easy. It's almost impossible. But I think the root is always the mind. Mind is, is the root of illnesses. So if one wants to heal oneself, one has to use both sides. He has to use the physical level, maybe try, you know, medicines or I think it's always better if one if one can use like complementary alternative medicine, something a little bit more natural. But also one has to work with with, with one's mind. So in yes, in my book there are many many uh, different uh, methods. Uh, I tried what I did. I tried to give like a specific method for each of the principles. So it's like uh, there is one part how to work with the principle of cause and effect. Uh, and in that part, I explained that you can start a chain of causation. So it's like you can set up by using your mind, you can set up causes, which, you know, eventually will, will manifest, you know, in the, in the physical, on the physical uh, level. There is also, I, I don't know if in this book I spoke about this, but in certainly in another book, I speak about um, a, um, a, um, a kind of healing where you actually speak to, to the organs of the system in your body. And one says, oh, but you're completely mad. What are you doing? I mean, you, you, you're just talking to the liver. Well, I mean, are you mad? And no, it's not, it's not, I'm not mad because everything is mind. So the liver, the liver, the stomach, although it's an organ, but is permeated by mind. Right. So it must have a kind of function. It must have a kind of intelligence, although very, you know, very basic. So it sent, your central mind or, or your, or your aware mind, you know, your awareness mind can speak to the other parts. You know, if all is mind, you can speak mind can speak to mind. Of course, if you think that you're speaking to the liver, nothing is going to happen because, you know, you can, you cannot speak to, to a piece of, 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 um, 
of uh, cells, you know, or, or flesh. You cannot do that, but you can speak to mind. So that's one, that's one way. I mean, and then there are many other ways, uh, many other methods. And, uh, uh, there are methods related. I give some methods related to, uh, strength, strengthening our, um, vital energy, um, through visualization. That's very important. Uh, also how to, very, very simple methods, how to uh, gain concentration. That's, that's the thing that we all lack in the, especially in the West, people yeah. have no concentration. The mind is, is like a horse, you know, it goes here and there, here and there. There is no concentration. Without concentration, also like people that try to apply the law of attraction or whatever, whatever they apply will bear no fruits at all. Nothing. Without concentration, you cannot, uh, you cannot achieve anything. You cannot achieve anything. So there is the, the power of concentration. There is a, you know, everyone knows the great book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, you know, The Power of Now. Power of Now is the power of concentration. That's what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's presence of mind, being present. That, that's the key. Without presence, nothing works. And I think this has to be stressed because otherwise people say, Oh, but I, I've applied, you know, and nothing works. Of course, you cannot apply. If you don't, if you, if you don't have presence, how can you, if you cannot concentrate on something, how can you apply? How can you visualize? How can you remain on a subject? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Multitasking is, is sort of the, the, the great distraction here. And the I think you put it nicely in your book where you talk about, you know, a sculptor who's trying to, um, mold, you, know, yes. you know, mold, mold uh, sculpt a statue or something. If, if, if he or she keeps changing designs and forms, they're never going to accomplish anything. I mean, it really is, it really is fundamental. And, you know, it's, it's like, one of the things that is prevalent in our world is that we think that you take a pill and it's going to make it better. And, you know, the pill for concentration, the pill, you know, oh, yeah. the pill for health. And a lot of it is, well, I think all of it is, but we need to move to this mind-centered, this concentration mode. And it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, these, these crutches... There's there's still crutches needed sometimes. You still need to go see a doctor once in a while. Certainly. You still need yeah, to take the definitely. pill. I mean, but it's sort of you have to sort of wean yourself away from it. So so before closing, I think that you know we we've covered some big issues here, and you talked a little bit about the healing. But in terms of practical steps as a takeaway, yes, for, for okay, the listener, well, why don't you why don't you talk about some practical things? Practical that, things. Yeah, practical things that a listener could take away to really get their get some uh, real benefit from some yes. of these ideas. Well, the first thing, I mean, the, the first thing is really the power of concentration. I think that is the first thing. I think uh, any listener that would, wants to implement these methods, you know, you, you get the book, you go through the... You go through the the seven principles, and then the second part of the book, you go, you have like all all these methods, but all of these methods are not going to work very much if you don't have concentrations. And uh, how to develop concentration? Very easy, very easy. You know, it's like uh, the, the 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 Eastern traditions they call it meditation, but there is there is nothing really to meditate on. There is nothing to. It's, it's not really a meditation. It's basically concentration. You, 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 you concentrate on something. You can concentrate on an object. You can concentrate on an idea or, a, or a concept. You can concentrate on a visualization. So, for example, you, you can combine, for example, if, if you are using the law of attraction, you're visualizing your goal. Fair enough. No problem. It's going to work. It's going to work because by putting causes, you, you will have some effects at some point. And, uh, and then check your mind. If you're visualizing something, check how long can you stay on a visualization? How long can your mind stay focused on something? You know, uh, and, 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 and by going back to the same visualization, you, you, you can, uh, uh, develop more concentration. The more concentration you have, the more the visualization will work. So and the two things will sort of help each other out. Um, and uh, so yes, that that's that's for me. That would be the first. That that would be the first and the main thing that one should start with. Yeah, I think that it's so it's so important, and it's used whether we 
believe in any of these principles or not. I mean, I, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, the golfer Jack Nicholas has this has this uh, swing thought back when he was younger. For all I know, he still uses it. But before he, he took a shot, he would visualize the ball landing softly on the green. You know, he had this thought, the swing thought. And it was so it was so solid. Look how many, look how successful he was. And as you're saying, Max, you know, keeping that consistent um, visualization, concentrating on it, not being distracted, holding it in your mind. It sounds like that great uh, statement from the Upanishads where you are what your deep driving desire is. I mean, I love that. I mean, I've always loved that that saying. Um, from, from from the Upanishads. So we've quickly come to the end, and like like other very, I would say, true concepts, there's a lot to talk about. I wanted to uh, have Max on the show primarily to talk about what we what this these this old spiritual tradition, um, the Hermetic principles of reality, and how they are becoming more and more relevant to to today. Because ultimately, I think as we go down this road to understanding uh, the world about us, we start rediscovering uh, who we are and these great philosophical and spiritual traditions. We start re-remembering who we are and what the world's really about. Now, Max, um, why don't you, you tell folks how to find out more about you? Uh, from your website and whatever else you want to mention here. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Well, first thing I want to thank you and for having me on the show, and I want to thank everyone that uh, will listen to the show. And uh, they can well, they can find my books, or my my book, and all the other books on Amazon or any local bookstore. Uh, I have also a website which is more related to uh, my my job as a therapist, the practitioners of alternative medicine, that's called homeobiotherapy.com. That's homeobiotherapy.com, but that's that's more, uh, you know, they're interested in uh, alternative medicine. And uh, my books, like I said, they can, uh, I've got a, an Amazon author page, so if they type Max Corradi Amazon, I'm sure they will find uh, there should be an, an author page, and there they can find all the books with all the descriptions. And uh, I think they can also read a little bit of my books on uh, Google, because I think Google has some excerpts from the books available. So okay, okay. that's it. Okay, okay, that's great. And once again, I just want to emphasize here that that the healing part of this is, is I think, where it winds up. And when we have a healing practices rooted deeply in these spiritual traditions, they can't help but have a better chance of working. And this is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Max, thanks a lot. I'll be following up with you. There's a lot more to talk about. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.